Hello, and welcome back to Blind Spots. This is the Film Inquiry podcast, wherein I, Jake Tropila, share one of my favorite films with my co-host, Christy Strauss, who in turn shares one of her favorite films with me. Christy, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing wonderful. How are you, Jake? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much for asking. I'm uh, excited to be back for another episode. These are really fun to record. It's fun to check out new movies, too. I guess we should say that uh, when we're sharing these movies, the other person has uh, obviously not seen it, and so we're, uh, we're covering a lot of uh, missed, missed things in cinema that uh, we've been meaning to get back to or just new-to-us discoveries that uh, we look forward to checking out. Uh, I've certainly been having a good time. How about yourself? For sure. Yeah, this has been a blast. Yeah, excellent. And um, we are by no means trying to keep each of our episodes thematic, but um, it happened again. Uh, we got a pair of mid-90s uh, films that sort of deal with uh, the entertainment industry. Uh, showbiz, you might say, one in a more different terms than the other. Um, but uh, yeah, to start things out, I suggested uh, Olivier Alsayas' 1996 film, uh, Irma Vep, to Christy. Um, I don't know. Uh, obviously, Christy's never seen it before. I just I mentioned that in our premise. Um, but this is a film. It's a uh, it's a one of those movies about movies, um, and it's uh, this French uh, film production is uh, basically trying to remake a uh, a silent film from the 1920s called uh, Les Vampires, um, and uh, the production is going horribly wrong. You could say, uh, let's put it lightly, the the French filmmaker Rene, the director, he's sort of um, he's having a breakdown about how everything is going and. He's just hired uh, Maggie Chung to be the uh, the lead in the role. She plays uh, Irma Vep, which the anagram is a vampire. And um, as far as a plot goes, it's uh, that's really essentially it. There's not really many stakes other than is this movie going to get made, but even that really doesn't seem of much importance. But um, Christy, what were your initial thoughts on Irma Vep? Yeah, um, I, I enjoyed it. It's an uh, interesting Interesting movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> I felt like you were going to say something. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just agreeing with you. It's What else were you going to add? <laughs> um, that's it. That's my entire entire review. We can just stop this recording right now. Uh, well, interesting... we got we got to do your film, which I'll also say was interesting. I'm kidding. But, um, no. But um, no. I love Maggie Chung. Yeah, man, she's outstanding, uh, and she's great in this movie. And um, this is not this won't be the case when we release this episode, but we're actually recording this on the day of her birthday. So happy birthday, Maggie Chung! This is how I honor you. Uh, yes, but and she'll be listening, and she'll say thank you later. Yeah, absolutely. I can't. I cannot wait to get that tweet from her. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this is um, so uh, Olivier Alsayas, um French filmmaker. He actually started his career as a film critic. I believe he wrote for Cahier du Cinema for a while before switching over to making films. Um, I would probably say he's my favorite filmmaker uh, currently working. Um, everything he's made, I've pretty much loved. And uh, this is no exception. And in fact, I would probably describe Irma Vep as his masterpiece. Um, this is my favorite film of his. Uh, if, you're, if those of you who are not familiar with him, he's uh, made a uh, Personal Shopper, um, uh, Clouds of Sils Maria, Carlos. Uh, those are just a few of his more well-known films in the last f- like five years or so. Um, but 
yeah, the, this movie, um, and I kind of had this realization halfway through watching it, and I've seen it a few times now, but uh, I don't really know how to describe uh, anything about why I love this movie other than just describing scenes that happen in the movie. Um, most importantly, I just kind of want film viewers to go and uh, watch it themselves. Um, but uh, just his his style has he has like this very freewheeling style that he does like with his camera just kind of deftly maneuvers around a room full of people and like every shot is interesting and um like a lot of shots he kind of holds on for some might argue a bit too long but i think he's just kind of being enamored with the beauty of what it is he's seeing um other than it being stood out for me too just to cut you off there nice and yeah um but no that was something else that I, i really loved there were some yeah. specific scenes in particular that I, I loved. For sure, yeah. One highlight in particular is um, Maggie Chung is a. They're just finished like the first screening of the film, and it's obviously not gone well. And uh, Maggie Chung like hitches a ride on the back of a Vespa with uh, Zoe, her costume designer. And um, there's just like this beautiful like 20 second shot of Maggie Chung just kind of riding the Vespa through the night uh, and. Uh, this great song called Sukura is playing. Um, and it's just this really, like, staggeringly good shot of Maggie Chung. Um, you know, it's not necessarily adding anything to the plot, but it's, I, you know, it's, I think uh, she and Olivier were partners at the time, and he's worked with her a few times. So obviously he's in love with her, and he knows it, and the camera knows it. Um, but, uh, yeah, she's... Uh, yeah, it's just uh it's just a film I love so much and it also operates in like that kind of um that mood of like a, a dream logic sense. Like there's this sequence where she breaks into a hotel to steal uh this this like nude woman's uh necklace. Yeah, I, I love that scene. Yeah. It's just and so It's so <laughs> Like it comes out of no, we don't know is it like is it part of the film they're secretly shooting is it a dream is she just practicing being a cat burglar it's it's just so amazingly random um, yes but yeah what what are some of your other thoughts how else did you feel about it yeah I actually I love the uh, Vespa part and I I love that whole sequence with her going into the hotel room there's really no it's just so random like we have no reason. No, yeah. there's like no particular reason why she's sneaking down the hall in her in her um, what is it like latex outfit? Yeah, uh, she's got and, this like this skin tight rubber suit, and it's described as it looks like she was poured into it. Is how that's how tight it is. It's just bunched up yeah. all all around her. And yeah, and she like sneaks in the like we said someone's room, but then she also was like. Just nobody can see her. She's like, you know, definitely like practicing like cat burglar style. But then she just goes onto the roof and throws off the roof what she what she stole. It's just all extremely random. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And it's it's raining. It's a very cool shot of her throwing it. Um, It's obviously a precursor to uh, Titanic a year later. Uh, Jim Cameron stole all of his ideas from this movie. (laughs) Um, but, but yeah, another thing I wanted to highlight is, um, you know, I mentioned this is like one of those movies about movies where, uh, everything is just going wrong. And, um, one connection I made when I first saw it is, uh, the opening shot reminds me a lot of, uh, Robert Altman's The Player, um, which is also, it's an extended tracking shot, um, 
in, in his film, we're going on a back lot and we're just sort of meeting the different characters that pop in and out. And it's like an extended take. Um, and then here, uh, we're following the tracking shot of like a prop gun just going from office to office and everybody's like on the phone and they're like, no, don't bring that here, bring it here. And then Maggie Chung comes in and she's just awkwardly standing around as everybody's trying to like get their bearings and, and prepare for her just because the production is just going so haywire. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like, it has like a very, um, insidious overtone of starting with a gun. Cause then you think, oh, something bad will happen, but like, there's no murder in the film. Uh, like there's no, there's not really any sort of payoff of any kind. Um, I just, yeah, it's just this, uh, this really unusual mood piece that, uh, Asayas has made. And, um, yeah, I don't know why. I just find it so intoxicating to watch. And this is like one of my favorite kinds of movies, um, where it's, where, you know, which, which makes for great conversation, you know, where it's completely indescribable and I can't articulate any intellectual thoughts about it. I don't know if you feel the same way or not. Um, I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yes, it's, it's thought provoking and yet I can't provoke any <laughs> conversational <laughs> thoughts right now. Um, but, exactly. Yeah. It's going so well. No, it, it, it is a, a good film. And I, I do love the disarray when she first arrives. It's like, mm-hmm. and also there's something to be said too, like the language barrier. Cause it's, uh, you know, everyone speaks French and, and yes. she doesn't. And, uh, which kind of makes some scenes disorienting a little bit too. Um, and there is a storyline with, um, Zoe, the, um, costume designer. Um, she, she has a, has a crush on her. Um, and there's an interesting, there's a good scene when they're all having dinner. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I can't remember the woman's name, but she's kind of like egging Zoe on and, and like almost trying to cause a little bit of drama. Yeah, uh, with her Maggie, um, which I thought was a fascinating scene as well. Yeah, yeah, um, that's a yeah. It's it's uh, it's all just great. I love I love the scenes of her trying on the costume and um, like Zoe is a heavy smoker and when she tries on the latex mask and all the the mask comes out of like the all the, the smoke comes out of the eye holes in the mouth hole. Um, and uh, another thing too, you mentioned like the language disconnect uh, is that like Maggie Chung is kind of more uh known for making these uh like these chinese martial arts movies and um so when she's introduced to the director he's watching one of her films and he's just kind of got this eyebrow raised as he's watching this uh, this like crazy wire foo uh movie she made like a few years back on vhs um and uh, uh yeah he's he's renee is uh hilarious uh to me he's he's yes. clearly not having a great time and um, we see several scenes of him trying to shoot the movie, and then it's it's like these just these complex shots of people walking through a room and waving a candle through a window, and uh, like it finally comes time to putting like the mask on the vampire, and then they put it on crooked and just laugh, and he like just barges in saying, "You think this is funny?" <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, poor guy, he's not having a good time. Um, no, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, gosh, I don't know if there's anything else. Uh, it's not really a film that you can spoil, but it's a film that I really want more people to go out and see. Um, I will say that uh, this also is, a, you know, continues a trend of Asayas is that all of his movies have a really good soundtrack. Um, and mm-hmm. this film has a few great songs in it. I mentioned the Sakura song is very beautiful, but it's got a song by Sonic Youth, 
And then there's a cover of uh, Bonnie and Clyde by uh, Serge Gainsbourg, um, which plays like during a party scene. And then it also closes out the film. Um, terrific stuff. And then uh, the ending is just uh, just great. Um, I'll just say that there's a uh, screening of the like the finished product of the film and uh, it does not go as they uh, expected. But um, yeah, not at all. Uh, I, I would. Uh, yeah, I would highly recommend this. Would you uh, any uh, any uh, closing thoughts on Irma Vep you wish to impart, Christy? Yeah, um, no, I mean, it's something, it, it's one of those movies that, um, and, you know, it's perfectly fine that maybe we don't have a lot of talking points with it, but it's more or less because it's something that you have to kind of see and you don't, maybe, it's not about spoiling, but it's something that's definitely more mood. And it's so about it's, experiencing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and yes, there are some great scenes with music, which, you know, mm -hmm. I always love, so... Yeah, it was a it was a good wreck. Yeah, well, well, thank you very much. Um, shall we get to uh, to your film for the discussion? Yeah, Gus Van Sant's uh, "To Die For," um, 1995. Uh, so you know, like we said, wait, was this a 95? Yes, this was a 95. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, mid 90s, and um, it was a movie I was surprised that Jake hadn't seen. It's it's an interesting one. Um, Nicole Kidman is the main character, and it's very loosely, loosely, loosely um, inspired by Pamela Smart, the uh, woman that seduced one of her students into uh, killing her husband. But um, yeah, so Nicole Kidman is she's just you know dreams of being a star. Uh, she's dead set on that, and. She's amazing in this movie. And, and little, like, random side note, apparently Meg Ryan was originally going to star in this movie, um, but for more money, um, but declined it. And I, that would have been a, a bad choice. No offense to Meg, but this is yeah. definitely, like, you know, this was she was perfect for this. Um, so, yeah, she, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's kind of got this, it's shot almost like mockumentary um, style a little bit. Yeah. Uh, like they're interviewing people about what happened and, and that's how we like the story is, is kind of uh, unraveled. And she marries Matt Dillon, who's like a local, his family owns like a local restaurant and bar. And yeah, so, you know, it's a perfect marriage. Um, no, but she, she really wants to be, a star. So she at her local small town uh, station, um, super ambitious, like pretty much <laughs> goes there and totally give her a job. And then she ends up being the, the weather woman, weather woman, weather, weather, caster, girl. weather. weather girl. Is that too? She does That's the weather. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there you go. And we should, we should point out that like, She's hired just as a desk clerk, but every day yeah. she goes into the office, she's basically dressed to be camera ready. Like yeah. her hair is perfectly crimped and she's got a like a suit on. And so, yeah, she's like and she keeps uh, pitching these ideas to the, her boss, played by um, Wayne, Wayne Knight, uh, who's fantastic in this movie. Um, he but is. he's just like, hey, no, I just need you to like <laughs> answer the phone. That's it. Um, but uh, yeah. sorry, please continue. Yeah, she doesn't take no. And she just like wears him down. Mm. Um, so yeah, so she's, she's on the news and then she's like, you know, wants all these projects, wants to get more and more. Obviously she's looking to 
be, you know, the biggest star she can. This is small time, but you have to start somewhere. And mm-hmm. so she starts this like student, like documentary thing that she wants to work on. In which case, uh, which is where she meets um, three students. Uh, one specifically is Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. um, sporting. I think it's like a mullet. Like it's definitely. <laughs> yeah. It, him and Casey Affleck both have, disgusting haircuts in this movie. Um, yeah. It's some kind yeah. of awful mid-90s grunge mullet is, like, what they're both rocking. Yeah. It's it's not their best look for either right. of them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, I mean, obviously, you, you know from the very beginning that something happens with, her, like, her husband. So, basically, she starts... Yeah. Sleeping with Joaquin Phoenix and, uh, you know, for some reason it gets in her eye, like in her mind that her husband dying is somehow going to propel her further in her career. I'm not really sure, like, what she, like, the motivation there, other than maybe being under, like, oh, you know, on the news for just losing your husband. Yeah. Partially the reason, but she she kind of has that that and this is like kind of echoed in the opening credits is that she's got this allure of of like wanting tabloid fame, like she wants people you know showing up at like her husband's funeral with cameras to take photos of her while she's mourning, but still dressed to the nines. And so yeah, she is somebody who's just kind of obsessed with being fame and will kill to get it. Yes, um, and it's worth noting in the fr- yeah. Yeah, and the funeral that she plays, uh, she puts a, oh my god, what is that song called? Um, is it Celine Dion song she plays at his funeral? I just watched this last night. Why am I, it's a famous song. Why am I blanking on it too? We are so, I apologize for our audience. We're so horribly unprepared (laughs) for this. Um, No, it's natural. Um, I I don't want to be all alone. I, like, uh, by myself. Yeah, all of by all myself. All by myself, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, that just made me think of that because like it's it's obviously it's always a spectacle. It's it's always about wanting to be the center of attention. Um and she right. she's like in the middle of this funeral, her his family's there, everyone's really upset and she's just like, you know, beautiful and everything. Her mm-hmm. hair is perfect. Like you said, she's like always camera ready. Um and then she just like puts this I guess it's a boom box at this. Is that what they used to be called? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, plays that song and just stands there. And the family is looking around like, what the hell is yeah. this about? And it's just, I thought it was a very funny scene. There's there's plenty of humor. Uh, obviously, it is satirical. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, there's some definite tragedy and, and sadness. I would especially say with, like, Joaquin, too, because he's, like, Really just obsessed with her. Yeah. Um, Love sick kind of obsession. But, uh, yeah. So, I won't yeah. say how the movie ends, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, uh, that's the gist of it. And obviously, if you do know this, the case of Pamela Smart, you can see the similarities, mm-hmm. at least to an extent. Yeah. What were your thoughts? I'm, uh, well, yeah, I'm surprised uh, I was, I had never seen this either. Um, I've seen most of, uh, Gus Van Sant's movies. Um, I'm very mixed on him as a filmmaker because he he can have something like truly excellent, like uh, like 
this movie or Drugstore Cowboy or Jerry. But then he also does something like the Psycho remake, which makes me quite, kind of question his uh, his artistic uh, interests. Um, but yeah, I really uh, greatly enjoyed um, To Die For. I think uh, Nicole Kidman is just absolutely pitch perfect. Um, and then a little ashamed to say this, but uh, a reference point I kept coming back to throughout the movie, uh, which I guess you could say this other movie basically owes its entire existence to To Die For, is I, Tonya from a few years ago. Um, it's like it the it's framed and structured the exact same way. It's it's sort of interviews with uh, the actors in character as the people portrayed in the film discussing what happened, and then we see flashbacks mm -hmm. basically leading up to uh, what both have as uh, a violent incident. Uh, is all I will allude to. Um, but yeah, I kind of I kind of feel like I Tonya sucks because it's just copied <laughs> to die for. Um, it, that's but, true. Uh, there is yeah. a lot of a lot of similarities there yeah. very 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 much also by the way goodwill hunting like you didn't yeah. say that in your little do you not like goodwill hunting uh i it's honestly been a, a long time since i've seen it i didn't want to uh, uh i did enjoy it back then but i would need to uh give it another look um but i yeah i, I would say that is that is on the positive side is that goodwill okay. hunting um i mean do you want me to defess up on what the other <laughs> van zance i do like um, no, yeah. I just, I, yeah. when you said some of his, his best, I just, uh, you, that's you true. Know, glided well, by I'm, that and I love good, good will hunting. So that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I also, I didn't mention, um, my own private Idaho, but I have a, I have a very bad one. I specifically have mixed feelings about because there's scenes with just Keanu and, um, river Phoenix, um, who they're both fantastic. But then there's these, uh, weird, uh, like, what was it, King Henry V uh, Shakespeare interludes where they're just kind of hanging mm -hmm. out with their homeless troop of friends that they just become very uh, irritating to watch. Um, so, uh, but, uh, yeah, anyways, um, yeah, To Die For. Uh, it's fantastic. The supporting cast is all aces. Um, you know, Joaquin, babyface Joaquin is really good, and like you said, he's kind of, uh, he's kind of smitten, like, almost in a dumbfounded way by this woman because... Uh, it's interesting. She ha basically is a narcissist and has real, no real care for anyone. She just wants to be famous. But just by the simple act of addressing Joaquin by his full name and not his nickname kind of attracts him to her and it makes him deluded that there is actually something between them, which makes it easy to coax him into doing what he eventually does. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's very much, um, it's pitched like a very barbed satire of, uh, of, you know, breaking out into the entertainment industry. Like, she doesn't get famous. She's just the local weather person on uh, their, you know, their local cable network. Um, yeah. Yeah, we should... You mentioned it before we started recording. You're you're a fan of the uh, the Danny Elfman score? Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. Um, it's, it was it an interesting me. choice, you know? It, that, yeah. That's kind of why I like it, because it was... Yeah, interesting choice. And it's it's almost and, you know, I know a lot of his scores sound the same or very similar. Sorry, not the same. That one, it, this this did kind of sound a little Beetlejuicey, which was like um, at least part of it, which I thought was kind of interesting mm -hmm. for this movie. It, it was just it was so weird that it somehow felt right. Um, but yeah, go ahead. I, I'll. Well yeah, Beetlejuice is like and like even a little maybe even a little peewees. Um, I was just 
watching it with the opening credits, and I'm wondering, what is this Danny Elfman-esque score? And then a moment later, Danny Elfman's credit popped up, and I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. It is him. Um, but I guess it's just kind of echoing the, um, like, how show business is just kind of, it's like more of a sideshow. So I guess the, the kind of carnival-esque theme that he composes for the film uh, is very apt. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, I'm not 100% certain it worked that element worked for me like everything else did but um fair enough yeah and and this movie is too also kind of about our um kind of obsession with like celeb being a celebrity celebrities mm-hmm. in general yeah um it's, it's got a lot of interesting um ideas there and uh baby face joaquin as mm-hmm. he shall be named here um it's interesting there's this one scene where he's talking to the camera and he's talking about his kind of relationship with her mm-hmm. and he doesn't say zombies but he basically compares it to being a zombie i don't know if you remember that sequence but he's talking about how like dead people walk around and they're just they, they don't like he's basically talking about zombies yeah. in movies and that's what it felt like it's like wait what and that I just thought that was such a strange little, I guess you'd say monologue, um, that I that just stood out to me that I thought was awesome, and also yeah, uh, his name he likes to go by Jimmy, even though his mom named him after um, James Dean. Mm-hmm. He you know it's Jim Morrison because like he says Jim Morrison had the life you know. Yeah. So. I mean yeah, yeah he went out on top and. <laughs> He died young, and yeah, we'll we won't, we won't say any more on that. Um, he says his well, he says his. It's interesting. He says his mom named him after Jimmy Dean. Um, oh, sorry, there's Jimmy James, Dean. There's, there's James Dean, but then there's also Jimmy Dean, the sausage guy, uh, and he's he was in a few movies as well. Um, so I'm I'm thinking that's that's what he was embarrassed by because like James Dean is you know he's cool like the yeah exactly he's the you know yeah. the look the cool youth. And Jimmy right. Dean is not very much uncool. <laughs> um, no offense to Jimmy Dean, you know, but uh, no, it's, it's no, that was my mistake. Distinction. Yeah, no, but no, he so, also okay. and I was, you know, I was kidding with um, Jim Morrison, but that those were his words about him living the life, and I just thought that part was funny too. Yeah, no, that was a that was a moment that stood out to me in his interview, like where he he, he explains his name. Um, yeah, Jim Morrison, living the life. He actually um, steals. A lot of well, him and Kidman are both just kind of stand out to me in that movie. Kidman, Matt like, Dillon's interesting. <laughs> he's he's great. You know, he's obviously in Drugstore Cowboy with uh um. You know, it was it was I think that was Gus Van Sant's first film, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, he's he's great in it. This is, this is a good supporting cast. You know, I mentioned Wayne Knight, but there's also uh, Dan Hedaya, um, mm-hmm. uh, Kurt Wood Smith. Also really good. Ileana Douglas. Um, Ileana Douglas is fantastic. But also I really was a fan of um, Allison Foland, who's like she makes up the third part of this trio with um, Casey mm-hmm. Affleck and Joaquin Phoenix. She's I'm not sure what happened to her, but yeah, she's really good in this movie. Yes, she um, is. Yeah. Yeah. Another kind of um, someone else that he, she kind of manipulates. Obviously, she manipulates everybody, but in mm-hmm. a different way. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, well, Keen is like, you know, lovesick. 
Um, and she, I think, is just more or less, it's just about having that friendship and, like, having someone show interest in her. Um, so it's just a, it's another interesting dynamic. Yeah, she's kind of, she kind of buddies up to, um, Nicole's character and looks up to her, but, like, <laughs> Nicole's, you know, like, trying to help her, like, in a way that yeah. kind of seems mean. Like, she says, hey, let's, we'll help you, like, lose some weight and basically get her to be camera ready because she's also looking for that fame as well. Um, but, uh, she hasn't, she's not quite, uh, not, does not quite have the stuff that Nicole Kidman has. Um, right. But, uh, and it is, you know, and Nicole Kidman does love her dog. So she does love something that's other than true. fame. Yeah. You know, <laughs> her the dog, one, Walter. <laughs> the one thing that'll always be loyal to her, no matter what she does. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's to die for. Um, yeah. 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 It's it's to die for. <laughs> Nicole, Nicole Kidman truly is to die for. I won't yes. say that much. But um, yeah, any uh, did you have any any final thoughts you wanted to share on this film or the other one? Or have that? Um, just no, not really. Um, and there's some great musical choices in this movie too as well. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I know you weren't 100 percent on the score, but uh, in general, I liked. I liked it. Um, and yeah, nope, that was it. Irma Vep is to die for. <laughs> Irma Vep, that's, hey, there you go. Irma Vep is to die for. And Nicole Kidman is a vampire. She's exactly. Pale skin. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, all right. Um, I would say that about uh, wraps up another uh, exciting episode of uh, Blind Spots. Christy, do you have any um, social media you'd like to plug? Yeah, um, you can always head to our site, filminquiry.com. Our mm-hmm. Twitter's at filminquiry. And my Twitter is at Strauss, S T R O U S E underscore Christy, K R I S T Y. And what about you, Jake? Yeah, I'm on all things at Jake Tropila, J A K E T R O P I L A. Um, feel free to tweet at me there. I'm, uh, I'm not that active i usually have about one tweet every other day so uh i i call that the platonic ideal of using twitter um (laughs) but uh yeah no hit us up let us know what you think of either film um and if there's any other connections that you can find between the two of them we'd love to hear it yeah absolutely share your thoughts tweet at us anytime yeah and if you haven't already uh subscribe to the podcast yeah it's available to listen to on our site but you can also find it basically anywhere podcasts are available uh spotify apple i uh, uh, the apple podcasts i almost said <laughs> apple ipod um yeah i, I think they would have uh, got it if that had happened it yeah. would have been okay yeah spotify apple wherever you need we're, it we're there we're everywhere yes exactly. exactly whenever you need us we're there right on All right. Well, yeah, that about does it for uh, episode three of uh, Blind Spots. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Stay safe, and thank you for listening.